Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Just Another Football Podcast with me, Josh Betley, taking the lead role today as Danny is away in Madrid and I have a very special guest as my co-presenter. He's been on the pod a couple of times already. Mr. Oliver Kid Martin, thank a you warm for having me. welcome. Thank you for having to me back, Josh. Man, are you okay? I'm, I'm, all right. Yeah, itching to get started. <laughs> itching to get started. Itching yeah, get I started. am. I am very. It's uh, particularly today some exciting news. Well, the big news is that Jose Mourinho has been fired. But before we get started, we're going to switch to our uh, foreign correspondent over in Madrid. Uh, Danny has some thoughts for us. Can you hear me, Danny? Hi guys. Um so firstly on the Mourinho thing, um it's uh it's not a surprise to me really. I think we talked about it a few weeks ago, me and Josh, about uh, Mourinho getting sacked. I think it's come two days after uh he got sacked from Chelsea. He um I think he was he'd lost the players and I think a lot of the time that that's the downfall but mainly he he lost the trust of the board they didn't back his signings in the summer um they uh, he wanted Harry Maguire he wanted uh, another center back whether that was Goodin or Maguire or whoever and he just didn't get him uh, and I think that was the downfall of Man United and uh, the question I want to ask you two is who's going in next? Um, I think it's been, I've just been watching Sky News, it's currently like half an hour after it's been announced, so there's not that much out yet. But uh, it looks like Michael Carrick's going to be in charge for the next couple of days, and then uh, they're going to appoint an interim until the end of the season. Um, so, uh, which seems strange to me, seems strange uh, for me. It's either going to be Zidane or Pochettino. Um, I just wonder what you guys think about that. Thank you, Danny. We'll be hearing more from him later uh, on various bits. But, Ollie, what do you think about the scenario that's unfolded at Old Trafford this morning? <sighs> it's, it's the right decision, absolutely, but at the wrong time. Is there a right time to sack a manager, though? Yeah, at the end of the season when there's a... There's a, a, a uh, a long period of time to reflect, to review, to go out and look for a replacement. Or oh, well, actually, they'll, they should have they should have been thinking about sacking him now, and then from now until the end of the season, gone out and done the research into the new manager. Yeah, and then like like Man City did with um, Pellegrini, mm-hmm. and they went out and got oh what's his name? Oh yeah, Pep Guardiola, the best manager in the world. So they shouldn't have sacked him now. I think everyone could see it. They talked about it on Sunday Night Football. Gary Neville and Graham Sooners and all of that said that the writing's on the wall. It's just a matter of when Gary Neville came out and said, like what I'm saying now is that they should have done it at the end of the season. Because I, I don't understand. This is either going to be disastrous and United could slip, I don't know, eighth, I don't know. You know there's some pretty poor players in that team at the minute. Or maybe Pogba really hated Mourinho and he could start to shine and guide his team to top four. But Do you think this is... Ed Woodward, who is a oh, businessman, yeah. not yeah. footballing, but that's Ed Woodward thinking we can still make top four if we eject Mourinho and get someone in. The, the hierarchy at United is all messed up. First of all, they shouldn't have had, they shouldn't have got Mourinho. Uh, they shouldn't have given him uh, the new contract. Um, they should have backed him in the transfer window by not backing him. It pretty much stated what they felt on him, and they shouldn't have sacked him now. Mourinho is not. 
I don't know too much about Mourinho's past jobs. I know what he did at Porto and all that, but I don't know what style of play or footballers he brought in. At United, it's just big money buys. And he'll come out and say this bollocks about how, oh, I, I've given youth the most time. Yeah, that's because he had to, because of injuries and because of uh, circumstances like that, not because he believes in the youth. That's Scott McTominay barely gets a game now. Yeah, Rashford, you know, he was always in the news about how Lukaku was having a dreadful game and then I remember when Lukaku had a horrible spell we put in Rashford Rashford had a bad game and Mourinho went see that's why I don't play Rashford it's like that that's that's never been his remit though you you wouldn't hire Mourinho with the brief of bringing youth no it's not it's not a fix it man and I just I'm I'm trying to be careful what I say because he's a very successful manager let's not forget that he is a fantastic manager but History has said that his third season is always a bad one. It's always always in when he's been in England, he's been fired in his before third, Christmas. Before Christmas, his third season, we did that twin when we won the league. We beat him, and then the next day, are you taking personal? Yeah, I'll, personal I was proud of that. that I was one. a little bit proud of that one. Um, he's just he's a. I think he was a very good manager. Him and Guardiola, there's always been this battle in, that the media like to put up, you know, the two are neck and neck. Mm-hmm. But Guardiola has, is light years now ahead of Mourinho, what he's doing at Man City. And I just, it's bizarre. It all started in the window, you know, if United, if, if, if United trusted Mourinho, they'd have Harry Maguire right now at centre-half and not, you know, they're not giving Chris Smalling a new contract. Which I just, it's very sad. Playing midfielders in defence. Yeah, it's a very sad situation. And I just, the, yeah, as I said, the writing was on the wall. It's a very bizarre situation. Why did they give him the contract? They should have held out. They should have, they should have um, made him fight for the new contract. Maybe Mourinho got a bit cosy with the new contract. He thought, well, they've, they've offered me this. They obviously believe in me and all this. <laughs> but obviously not. Some lovely thoughts there. My favourite uh, thing to come out of all this, which I mentioned to you before is uh, David Moyes actually still has six months to run on his original Man United <laughs> See, where contract. would they be? Like, so uh, what was he offered? A five-year? Six years. Six because years. Because he came in to manage United the year that I left school. So <laughs> to put this into context, I've left school, done three years of university, and then come June, a whole nother three-year cycle will have gone round since I left uni. What could have been? Like, yeah, his first season... United was was horrendous, but it was always going to be not good. You know, you can't. You know. Do you think Ferguson did that intentionally to make him look even more immortal, make himself look even? No, more I just think I, I think Ferguson was very lucky with his timing of the players, and I think that they had. I think that season was a lot of their peaks. Uh, Vidic, yes. Van Persie, Waza. I think a lot of them. Tom Cleverley, yeah, had that. Name. I think <laughs> I think a lot of them were at the top of the hill, and then yeah, by the time slowly the fell away. In. Yeah. Well, we'll leave that there for now, but we'll wrap up with it as well. Maybe talk about who we think is going to come in. Yeah. But uh, we'll get cracking on um, the weekend's action. Uh, the first game that we're going to talk about was the early kickoff on Saturday. City beating Everton three one. Gabriel Jesus finally. Broke his score yeah. and duck. Was his... it something like 11, was it 11 games without a goal? Something 11 like games, 487 minutes. Wow. He said in his post-match uh, press conference that he... Or just post-match interview, because he probably wouldn't do a press conference <laughs> in his job. Uh, that he feels a lot more settled because his family, and in particular his mother, are now living in England. 
Yeah, that probably mean a lot to him. Do you think yeah. this could be a big turning point for him, feeling comfortable? Because he's, he's still a young lad. Yeah, I think so. He's, 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 he's a lot, like a lot of, I'm generalising here, but it, it's just from what I see on Twitter, a lot of, particularly South American footballers, come from nothing and, of you know, um, and often rely on their families for support. So uh, I imagine his family being with him in England, in I assume Manchester as well, would that would be a massive help to, mm-hmm. to him. Um he will come good, you know. Having Sergio Aguero as your tutor is not, is not a bad situation, and having Pep Guardiola as a mentor is is not as bad either. I think he just needs time uh, to yeah to settle, and I think that the uh, his family living with him will uh, speed up that process. I think. I think in any other team, maybe not any other team, but in. 90-95% of the other teams in world football he would be their starting centre forward yeah yeah, definitely I, I, yeah absolutely um, it's just it, it was bizarre we all thought Aguero was going to go a few yeah. years ago and, and then he's ramped it up and and he stepped it up yeah it was it was under Guardiola it was Guardiola's first season we all thought that he was was, it, was he going to go back to Atletico or something or yeah, was he going to yeah. bugger off somewhere else but no Aguero stepped it up and um yeah, Jesus would have to wait, but there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. How old is Jesus? Twenty one or something. Twenty one, twenty two. Exactly. Exactly. He's, not old. he's nowhere near his prime. He's being know. groomed for to inherit that role. Yeah, exactly. Um, he will. He is the heir to you know that number nine slot. And I've got a little stat for you. Before the game on Saturday, Gabriel Jesus' conversion rate in the Premier League this season was four percent. Based on last year, it was twenty three percent. That's about one in every four shots going in. Oh yeah, one in every four, which is decent. Yeah, but this season he's been one in every. uh, Yeah, that's what you do. That's that's what you do when you when you low on goals. You start snatching at chances. You start, you know, you get tunnel vision and you want to. Yeah, you're just desperate to break that duck. So you want to every game he plays. He's probably thinking, I've got to play well here. I've got to play well because people are saying, oh, he's only in because Aguero's being. That's a good. But that's a good pressure. Yeah, especially good pressure. in a man in, in a Man City team, and and it's just you know in any team when you get a chance you want to prove yourself. But you know for Manchester City you need to, and especially when Jesus probably knows, um, unless he starts performing horrendously, that he is the heir to the, mm-hmm. you know, the number nine. So he, you know, he's. Yeah, it's feeling it'll probably be feeling a bit of pressure, but it's it's a it's a good pressure, it's a good motivation to have. Um, like I said, and and yeah, we just need to this goal. Did he score one or two? Two, two. You know, hopefully this will for him uh, breed a bit more confidence, and he'll start to play better as a result of it. The angel Gabrielle has come just in time for Christmas. Yes. Uh, Sorry for that appalling pun. I've got to squeeze one in. Uh, Everton changed their system. They went to a back three, playing with wing backs. Yeah. uh, And they didn't defend very well. No, but... uh, Do you know what? It's Man City. Yeah. It's really difficult. But they didn't help themselves. No, they didn't help themselves. At either Um, end of the pitch, actually. They were quite wasteful in front of goal. um, Tried to play out from the back. Yeah. Got it a bit wrong to concede the first goal. Poor marking for the second goal. Calvert-Lewin gets them back into the game. Um, through, through a, a Luca Digne assist, who is coming up. Yeah. Very good coming for Everton. Trump. Who, there was a lot of... There's a, I remember reading something about... There was a lot of criticism about... Because uh, they'd signed Luca Digne, Andre Gomez and Yerry Mina. 
And in Barcelona, one of their local uh, newspapers, I remember reading about how uh, they were celebrating the man who managed to sell those three players to Everton. Brilliant. Um, but Andre Gomez seems to be a... I mean, if Barca wanted him, he can't be that bad. And he's tailor seems, made, he seems tailor-made yeah, in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, Yeri Mina, I mean, we all England fans know what he can do. Um, I think we all think he's a bell end, don't we? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I don't know. He was linked with Leicester, and I was excited at the prospect of him and Maguire. We'd win every corner. Um, but the three seem to be doing all right, particularly Gomez and Digne seem to be settling in nicely. Um, but there's not much anyone can do, really, when they turn up to the Etihad. Uh, like you said, they didn't help themselves, but you know they got a goal. Which, yeah. to be fair, actually, Man City haven't kept as many clean sheets as I thought they would have at home. They've conceded, they conceded to Bournemouth, um, Everton. I want to say Southampton as well, or something like that. They've not kept as many clean sheets at home as I thought they would. Um, yeah, it very much went to form. This result, City have won their past ten Premier League home games. Scoring 36, conceded 7. Everton have only won one of their past nine away league matches. That's, yeah. A couple of other stats. Richarlison has scored more Premier League goals than any City player this season. That's surprising. Which is, yeah, that surprised me. And uh, Raheem Sterling scored his second headed Premier League goal with his first touch after coming on. Raheem Sterling, I'm going to come out and say it. If we're going on on the past two seasons in domestic football, then Raheem Sterling is world class. He's a world class footballer. Or he's as close to world class as England have at the moment. He is exactly what um, Real Madrid need. Uh, Because... He's he's fast. He's direct. He's so his 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 brain has just expanded brilliantly under Guardiola because he reads the game so much better. His movement is impeccable. It's he's developed so well. And if we can harness that Sterling for England, then then happy days. Sterling to Madrid. You heard it here first. Yeah, no, I really do think that Sterling would do. I sound like Paul Merson when I say stuff like this, but I really do think that Sterling would do a good job. Okay. In any in any of the top top teams in Europe. Yeah, I agree with you. We're going to move on to the next game, which was uh, Watford three, Cardiff City two. Watford went into a three goal lead thanks to three outstanding goals. Yeah. Uh, and then Cardiff. Tried to claw it back, did their best to claw, claw it back. Very nearly did. Ultimately, left it a little bit late. Um, you know, whenever Watford score first, they are unbeaten this season. One five and drawn one. Good stat that. And Cardiff have only scored four goals away from home all season, with two of them. Wow. Coming on Saturday. Uh, so the main talking point about this came after the game, and Neil Warnock's made a comment about why are Cardiff having to have a trainee ref. I think he will probably get in a bit of trouble for that. But I think he raised a fair point. We had a, a referee who was refereeing his second ever Premier League match when Andre Mariner was the fourth official. Which, it's a difficult one because everybody's got to start Well, well I, I didn't watch the game, but did the, did the ref make uh, it? There, make... Was a, there was a contentious call where Deeney has... It's bucketing down with brain, players sliding everywhere. Deeney has gone for a 50-50 ball. Wins the ball in the follow-through or something? No, the keeper gets there first, but Deeney's already on the slide and his studs go into the chest of the keeper. There's a contentious decision in every game. Yes. There's, there's just two or three. It sounds like there's only one in that one, so I think fair play to the ref for holding it. I mean, that's that's Neil Warnock trying to... Yeah, I think Warnock felt it was a red card. I didn't think it was a red card. I feel Deeney... 
One was entitled to go for that ball, but two knew exactly what there's, he was doing. But it's it's clever. Yeah, there's a lot of, especially recently, a lot of it has happened this season. There's a lot of criticism of, of follow throughs and of of people are expecting footballers to be able to defy physics and when they slide to stop themselves. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of times where, uh, off the top of my head, uh, Virgil Van Dijk uh, against. Napoli, uh, he got the ball, yeah. but then his follow through caught his leg, and it's a red card if he didn't get the ball. But he did get the ball. Yeah. You can't stop the follow through. So I think it's a contact sport. It's a contact sport. Yeah, exactly. Like not every tackle is a foul, and I think I think Neil Warnock maybe going at the ref is a way of diverting. Yeah, some of the blame. Potentially, I think they've the only players. got one point away from home or something all season. In eight games for Cardiff, which is a worry, but you know their home form is. They, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, they're doing the the one the last right at three at home, two or three at home. Uh, yeah, uh, something like four out of the last five. It's, that's good. Right. That's if you can win your home games, then you've got a chance. But Dale Lefeu opened the scoring with an incredible solo effort. He's dribbled round four players, uh, puts it beyond Neil Leatheridge. For me, Gerard Dale Lefeu could be so good. Yeah. I agree with that. He is very good. But he see, he's he's one of those players at the moment does it once every ten games. Yeah. It's his application. The other two goals, Hollibas. I think it was was it three goals from outside the box? No, so the first goal was uh, he dribbled round like four and then passed it into the goal. Uh Hollibas and Keener scored from outside the box. Keen is their youngest I want to say uh, youngest yeah. ever goal scorer now or something uh, it's something like Which that is a good stat I've got it here yeah 19 years and 27 days Domingos Keener becomes Watford's youngest ever Premier League scorer Neil Etheridge was an absolute hero for Cardiff on Saturday but he could do nothing about yeah. any of the goals uh, I've decided based on uh, Danny believing that uh, Nathan Aki was English to develop an eleven of players that I assumed were English. Then okay, then Wes and Morgan has to be sent yeah, half. Neil Etheridge <laughs> is in there because he's from the Philippines. Wes Morgan, Wes the Morgan, Jamaican has to be Wes sent Morgan half. and uh, Nathan Aki at centre half. And the only other position I've got at the moment is Josh King up front. Yeah, Josh. Yeah, that that always gets me a little bit. Um, Bamba was offside in the build up to. Um, Cardiff's second goal. Yeah, uh, but again, that's not, that's, he won't mention that about no, the that's not a, that's not a refereeing decision. That's a linesman decision. <laughs> it happened quite quickly, but that's not the first time that Sol Bamba's been offside in the build-up to a goal. Don't even start. Um, you know, Watford were the better team. Watford have been a bit shaky recently. Yeah, I They've think been it was bit... their, their first win in seven weeks. Yeah, because I think because we'll come on to Leicester later. But I mean, if if Leicester can make them. Look like Wickham, I think. You know, it's a bit shaky. So, um, I, I've, I, I can't remember where I put Watford in my prediction. I had them pretty high up because they've got a, they've got a, a solid uh, core. You know, a very solid spine. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, unlike relegation candidates, no, <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely nowhere near. Absolutely not. Well, you heard it from Ollie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next, we're going to look at Spurs and Burnley. Spurs won one nil thanks to an Ericsson goal. Oh, late, very Ericsson late on. Goal. I've got a question for you, and I'd like a succinct answer. Oh, I don't know what that. Not one means. that takes ten minutes. <laughs> okay. Uh, are Spurs in the title race? No. 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 Any. Don't. Don't. Can I offer you some factors why I think they could be? Yeah. Sure. 
So they've played 17 games. Yeah. 10 of those have been away from home. Yeah. And they've won 8 of those 10. Very so good. So in the second half of the season, they've got a build-up of home games. Yeah. That if they win all their home games and continue to win that percentage of their away games, they're going to be there or thereabouts. But I think City and Liverpool are just that cut above. I think Spurs are the best of the rest. I just don't... <sighs> the thing is, is, is it's... Okay, so, so football is, it, and this is the same at the top of the bottom, two results can change everything. But the problem for Tottenham is, is that the two teams they need to start dropping points are Liverpool and Manchester City. That don't drop points. That do not drop points. If, if this was the Liverpool of three or four years ago, then Tottenham could have some hope. But this is a Liverpool team that could fall behind and you'd still expect them to win. Could be goalless with 80 minutes gone and you still expect them to win. That even with key players out, you know, Klopp loves to change that midfield. You know, mm-hmm. th- this thing about chemistry and, you know, and uh, uh, consistent lineup. even with that, you still expect them to win. Manchester City, there's too many superlatives. There's not enough, sorry, superlatives to describe Manchester City. I just, as much as I think Tottenham have a good team, they need, they're relying on too much. There you go. Lovely. Relying on too much. Put that very well. Uh, I thought Kane should have had a penalty in the first half. It's clumsy from Tarkovsky. Kane's, yeah. Kane's nicked the ball and Tarkovsky's taken him yeah. out. Um, for me, VAR solves that. Easy peasy. And, and that's a decision that takes I, I 20 wasn't, seconds. I wasn't on... Uh, um, I haven't been able to express my views on VAR. I think I may have done in a previous episode, and I think I may have said that I'm against it, but now, bring it bring it on. That takes 20 seconds to sort, Bing. It, that should be a penalty, bang. It's, it, it's just that it's, the referees are hopeless. They're, really, they're a really bad standard. And, and this I, is just going back quickly to the thing about having Andre Mariner as the fourth official and the bloke refing his second Premier League game ever. For me, there should be 10 Premier League referees but, with with a couple of spares, but you've got to work your way up. But we see those officials by the goal in Champions League, in European games, and we look at them and go, what is your job exactly? Do you just have the the best seat in the house? Because they do nothing. <laughs> yeah, they do nothing. So VAR has to come in. If anything, do you know what? If anything, I always thought it would take away drama because I, I love that football is about mistakes and is about contentious decisions. But we saw at the World Cup, the VAR is actually still... It brings its own element of drama. Yeah, because it's still interpretation. I think it was the Portugal Iran game or something, one of the last games of the group. I remember it was in the last minute, and I was watching it going, There's no way that's a penalty. That's never a penalty. And then the ref gives it a penalty. And you're going, Hang on a minute. Is there a rule that we don't know? So so I think bring VAR in because it will clear up most of the decisions. I think we need to have a VAR special because it's it's a whole can of worms we could spend hours chatting about. Ericsson with the late winner off the bench. Spurs teams of the past have had a brilliant starting eleven and not such a great bench, but Spurs bought Ericsson, Son and Lorente off the bench. But that's their own fault. You know, not buying anyone in the summer is is that's their own no, doing. But I'd argue teams of the past Spurs teams of the past haven't been able to call on that sort of quality. So they're I wouldn't call, I, like, personally, I wouldn't call Lorente quality. No, but, but he, he was key in the build-up to the goal. We pulled both the Burnley centre-halves to him. He goes up for the ball, doesn't end up touching it, mm. but he takes them out of play. Mm. Which leads up to the goal. Uh, Pochettino is the first Spurs manager to win 100 Premier League games. And he's the third fastest of all time to win 100 games. Where's his trophy? As a manager. Where's his trophy? Um, 
do Spurs have a better squad than given credit for where you've already sort of no I do I do I think they have a, I think they have a, a fantastic squad um, but there's multiple factors the depth isn't there um, and the reliance on other teams falling away yes and I would agree with that it's too much they're expecting too much fair enough uh, we're going to move on to our next game, uh, which was Huddersfield nil, Newcastle one, and we're going to head straight back over to Madrid because I think Danny's on the line again. You there, Danny? Get in there, son. Another win for uh, for Newcastle. Um, another huge three points, really, away from home. Um, uh, we're obviously we're struggling at home as we've talked about re- recently but away from home we're looking really really good um, I think Rafa got the setup perfect um, this weekend Rondon again was brilliant he plays really well on that um, as, as that sort of focal point when we're playing the counter attack which is what we've been doing um, over the last couple of weeks um, Huddersfield again they're, they're struggling um, to score really uh, 10 goals in 17 games it's 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 not good at all um, another VAR moment oh, Perez should have had another goal should have been a lot more comfortable but after uh, Benitez was announced as manager of the month for last month um, he proved why because it was, it was absolutely fantastic I think I saw a statistic which was like on um, home games we'd be 19th in the league but on away games we'd be 9th or 10th or something like that um, I just want to know what you guys think about that form um, how how we turn it around um, at home I'll be at the game on Saturday we're going to me and my brother are going to do a bit of a uh, a bit of a match day special type thing um, and tag it onto the podcast at some point um, but I just want to know what you think about the difference between the home and away form and why that is I think uh, Newcastle's away form versus their home form is certainly a big talking point if Newcastle could win their home games they'd be absolutely flying yeah absolutely Newcastle are a tricky one because we all know the problems that they have with the, the hierarchy of the club and with do you know what? I've actually blissfully forgotten his name. Mike Ashley. Um, yeah, if they started winning their home games, um, they could they finished 10th last year, didn't they? You know, they could, yeah. they, they could push on that. You know, they've got a... Fan, they've, fantastic is a bit strong a word. But they've got... Uh, Dubravko is a fantastic keeper. Absolutely a really good keeper. They've got Matt Ritchie. They've got Solomon Rondon, who... He's, it's one of those scenarios where it's like Shakiri. Everyone thinks because he Shakiri played for a bad team, he's not a good player. Mm-hmm. Solomon, you know, Newcastle aren't the best team with all respect to Danny. Apologies, but Rondon is a good player. I think he just needs better service. If the, you put the ball in the box, he will, he's going to score exactly. And the, uh, I just, I, yeah, Newcastle need to realise that because Rondon is a very physical player, and if they they need to utilise his strengths a bit more. But yeah, I definitely agree with you. They need to uh, work out what's going on at home. It took Newcastle 11 games to win their first, first get their first victory of the season. Uh, in those first te- 10 games, they picked up three of a possible 30 points. But since then, they've picked up 13 out of 21. It's better. better a pretty impressive turnaround. Um, 
What's the key to them turning it around at home? It's definitely not the fans, because the fans are amazing. Do you not think the ongoing Mike Ashley situation is just a massive distraction? See, I don't know, because, like... Yeah, because I think, I feel like... They've been on the wrong end of Haven't players come out and sort of... Like, I think Lascelles came out and... He didn't say he was against Ashley, but he more importantly didn't say he was for Mike Ashley. Mm -hmm. He was trying to... He's just trying to um, redirect the fans' focus. I think I feel like the Newcastle players want to come out and say, "Listen, we know Mike Ashley's a shithead. We know this, but just focus your attention on the pitch. Just give us ninety minutes of just pure passion, and that will help." I, I, I'm not sure what it is. Maybe they just need to be a bit more adventurous. You know, they just need to. The maybe the players a bit too conservative. Um, Newcastle get a hammering although to be fair whenever they try and play for one point yeah like I think that. Benitez is doing an incredible job Benitez is a, is, a, is doing a miracle at Newcastle because um, the fact that do you the, think that's the mo- what he's doing at the moment is up there with the other great things he's done in his managerial career or do you think it's not it's, it's never going to di- be judged the it's same di- it's never it? going to be judged the same it's very different it's, it's hardly winning the Champions League from 3-0 down but it's it's with the you know because Huddersfield have got a they're quite a family football club you know the owner loves everything everyone gets along but they're not doing really well whereas Newcastle have a lot of negative negative factors going against them but they're still managing to where are they in the table what fifteenth or something Newcastle yeah fourteenth yeah. fifteenth so um, he's doing the best he can with what he's got yeah I'd agree with that. On the flip side of that, no striker has scored for Huddersfield this season. Is that why they're languishing near the foot of the table? They're languishing at the foot of the table because they play such horrendous football and they're so anti-football it hurts. And I don't like wishing teams going down, but Huddersfield need to change their ways. Sorry, any Huddersfield fans, but I've watched highlights of you and you're just awful to watch. Like They're, um, they're going to miss Aaron Moy massively because... Yeah. I'm, yeah. He he is the one player in their squad that can pluck something out. Yeah, of I'd field. love him at, at at Leicester. I'd love him. I, he's a he's a great player. Um, like yeah, he is the only player who's gonna. Um, what's the word? Inspire anything. Yeah. If you like, but he's out for a couple of months, I believe. Oh, that's gonna so be tough. that's going to be tough for them. Uh, Jamal Lascelles made a going to call it an untidy tackle down in the bottom corner. Um, it caused a bit of handbags as well between the sets of players, but for me, wasn't a red card. Was a yellow. He's not made contact with the player. Um, it's just the yeah. It, it just type of tackle. Just the type of tackle. It was untidy. Uh, Newcastle scored a brilliant goal, playing from back to front, finished off by Rondon. Huddersfield just don't have that creativity. Yeah, they had seventy three point six percent possession. Huddersfield. The highest of any side to lose a Premier League game uh, this season. That's mad. Since the start of last season, Huddersfield have failed to score in 29 Premier League games. See, th- that, that confuses me because Huddersfield are now a Premier League club, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they survived, you know. So that should be an attraction. And they've known that statistic since... Yeah, they probably didn't win a lot of games or score a lot of games since last season. So, 
I mean, what are the scouts doing over there? Because they should surely know, okay, we need a striker. We need a prolific goal scorer to come in and make sure we stay up. Because their defence, I mean, they've conceded less goals this season than Manchester United. So their defence isn't the worst in the league, Mm -hmm. but their attack definitely is. Yeah, and and it's goals that keep you up. It is goals that keep you up. It's 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 a, you know, they aren't pushing the top 10. They just want to stay afloat and... Doing that, you need a striker. Yep. I agree with everything you've said there. Thank you. <laughs> um, Perez, Iose Perez has played through on goal in the closing stages and he was flagged offside when he was about half a metre on. Um, Hashtag VAR. Another, another poor decision. Um, <laughs> when, what I enjoyed about the World Cup was we, we were seeing those passages of play allowed to develop and then they could go back and say yeah. say he takes it and scores yeah. and they go See, oh, yeah because you're not allowed that. to you weren't allowed to flag it yeah. until after the event had yeah. happened so if he did if he did missed it they would have flagged it yeah and if he'd scored it they would have flagged it and two 0 makes the game comfortable for Newcastle but in the end they held on to win but if if that that had occurred and Huddersfield grab an equaliser then it's then it's a big story yeah it's two points robbed from Newcastle uh, we're going to move on to the next game. Which I know uh, you're probably not going to want to talk about, or you may want to talk about it. Oh, I always want to talk about Leicester. Crystal Palace won Leicester City nil. Um, Palace win without Wilfred Zaha for the first time since May 2016. Can you swear on this? On this podcast. You can, but there are certain words that we will forbid. Like the C word? Yes. Okay, I can say the F word. Yes. I fucking hate my team with every fibre in my being. You're um, talking to a Bolton Wanderers fan. Oh, go on. You got any more? Go on then. Read off any more. Um, Milivojevic is their top goal scorer since his debut. How de- If you're a Palace fan, how depressing is that? Uh, yeah, but how many of those are penalties? Yeah, exactly. Like, if I was a Palace fan, I, I, I'd reconsider... Your life, that's just depressing. Um, but what's more depressing is watching Leicester City play. Um, we are, um, first of all, um, I want to give a shout out to oh, I'm gonna get his name wrong. Is it Wan Bissaka? Yeah, what a player he is going to become. England I can't remember. 21 footballer, it could be, you could put him in the England team now. Definitely ready. I can't, I can't, I don't know who he's up against. I want to, it was either all Brighton or Grey, or it may have been both. Both are awful, so. He didn't have too much trouble, but just every time they look, they, they tried to take him on. Bissaka just was like, "Nope, I'm gonna have the ball here." And he, his distribution was good. He was really calm. He's and composed. a he's a winger converted to a fullback. Fact, brilliant. So he knows he can he can take the ball out. He can mm-hmm. take people on as well. Um, so that's that done. Just Leicester are just just boring at the minute. Like, which is bizarre because we've got players like Demari Gray and James Madison. Uh, and Mark Albrighton's quite creative, and you've got Clichy and Acho, so all, all of that, you think, all oh, creative, but no. For me, as a non-Leicester fan, quite a lot of your attacking players are quite nice, and I think if you're an opposition defender, you like you can intimidate players like Ian Acho and Albrighton out of the, the pro- game. The problem with our attack... So, like, I could rattle them off. So, Ian Acho is lazy... Um, Demar Gray is the most and I hope he's listening to this because I've I've tried to back him so hard and I've tweeted him several times in my support but he is the most selfish player I've ever seen and he has no end product and I bet Birmingham are laughing at us for 
I think we only paid about four million for him, but I bet they're laughing at us. But I play football with you. He's horrendous. Yeah, funny. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> he that is was, the yeah. worst. One of the worst wingers I've ever seen. Um, and he puts all this emotional shit on Instagram about how he doesn't get a chance. And it's like, well, have you seen yourself play? Maybe that's why. Um, it's just, I love Claude Puel, and I think he's laid down some great foundations with, with Chilwell contract, Maguire contract, even Vardy. On a new contract, Vardy's got three years left in him. I think his pace is not going anywhere. He runs and he's like the goal that he had chalked off. Yeah, I disagreed with that. I it's thought, a goal, but if if that tackle is made on anybody else on the pitch, it's not a foul. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the keeper is protected. The keeper is protected. Um, we're, we're so reliant on Vard, but. I think Klopper has laid down some fantastic foundations, including some signings of, of Madison and Philip Benkovic, who's having a great season at Celtic uh, individually. Celtic aren't having the best of seasons, but I think that's all. But the thing is, is, is today is, what's the day today? Tuesday, and it's the day of the quarterfinal of the um, Carabao Cup. Mm-hmm. Klopper, well, if we somehow beat Man City, I'm suddenly all for him again. It's, it's, it's the finest of margins at the minute with me and Klopper. Well. Sort of... Yeah, hanging in the balance. It could go, it could go either could way. Go either way. Uh, a couple of other stats for you. Leicester are without a win in their past 10 Premier League visits to London. We don't, Yeah, we don't like playing London, but... The, oh. Oh, yeah. I'm trying Since to think. Since a 3-2 win against West Ham West in March Ham, 2017. Yeah, we beat them 3-2. Yeah. Palace have won consecutive home league games for the first time since their final three matches at Selhurst Park in 2017-2018. Uh, Palace have won and kept a clean sheet in their past three league games against Leicester. I think that noise sums it up for me. <laughs> Do you know what those results were as well? 3-0 at the King Power, 5-0 at Selhurst and 1-0 oh, at wow. Selhurst. Yeah, 5-0. 5-0 at Selhurst Ouch. Park. That was when um, I, I was ready to give... Claude Puel the sack just, Fully enough It's Crystal Palace And Claude Puel Just just don't go well together But Yeah Brutal I did think Leicester Were a little bit wasteful In the second half Gray oh, Gizal sec- and Vardy Had lot chances Yeah we, that, That's our problem Is that we only um, We only turn up In the second half We're very lazy In the first half mm-hmm. um, The second half We start trying um, And I don't I don't know Why that is Um it's very bizarre because our first game of the season against United, and when we only lost two one, there was loads of promise from that. We're mm-hmm. Like we were the better team, we had the better chances, we had the better players, everything. Uh, lots of people, including United fans that I know, said that they were lucky to win that game. And I just don't know where it's all gone wrong. Leicester have won one of their last six games, and you've got quite a tough run in over Christmas. We've got we've got City twice, one in the cup, one in the league. We've got Chelsea, I think. Um, Tottenham? No, we played. To- oh, we lost to Tottenham the other night. Um, you got a pained expression whilst reeling off these fixtures. It's it's really tough. The only the highest we can finish, I would say, is eighth or ninth. I think that's our okay. that's our ceiling. Okay. Well, we're going to move on, but it's lovely to hear your thoughts about your club, <laughs> uh, whatever they may be. Uh, the next game is. Fulham nil, West Ham United two. Still no clean sheet for Fulham. You rubbing your hands about because I want Ranieri to go down. I want Ranieri to get relegated, and I don't care if that's bitter or if that's not a good view on it. Ranieri should have walked away from 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 management after he won the league. Should have well after after we sacked him because he was going to get relegated. There's no mm-hmm. denial about that. He should have hung his. He should have hung his, his jacket up and been like, 
That's me. But he's, he's trying to prolong... It's almost like he's trying to replicate something else. Like, he went to Nantes in um, France, and I think the, the, there was sixth until, like, May or something. Everyone, no, March, sorry. And everyone was like, oh, my, maybe he could be doing something here. But then that tailed away, and he got sacked. And now he's come to Fulham, and Fulham have obviously signed him because of what he did at Leicester, and... Someone flashes the dollar bill signs in front he's of He's not replicating it. He's not going to replicate it. Fulham have a, have a... On paper, I would say one of the... Yeah, one they're of a the team of teams, individuals One of the me. dark horses in the Premier League. But um, Kamara missed a huge early chance, one-on-one with the keeper. He's a donkey, though. He's, he's a donkey who scores goals, though. I mean, he's... He, a, yeah, he's got a penalty against United. Well done, but he's he just he doesn't look like a footballer. Yeah, well done. I remember you missing a penalty. Well, 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 <laughs> what are you bringing Six Society into this one? I'm top goal scoring Six Society. Uh, yeah. Leave it out. Yeah, you know. Well, you know, just trying to bring a, a homely feel to this show for the listeners. Um, defense for me. Fulham defensively are a lot more solid under Ranieri than they were under the previous manager. But I just feel individual decisions are costing them. The first goal, Noble's played a brilliant pass. And maybe this is me discrediting Noble a little bit. He plays a brilliant pass out towards Felipe Anderson. And Adoy, I think he's thought to himself that he can get there to cut it off. And he's got off his feet to try and get the ball. But the ball's just sort of curled away from him. He's missed it. And then Anderson has had a free run in to put the cross in. Uh, and then it's come out for Snodgrass to hit it in. Yeah, the second in. goal, uh, they're sort of um, who's Alfie Mawson has looked at Hernandez and then just let him run off, which means Tim Ream has to come across. And then Antonio is just free at the back post and puts it in. Um, worrying for Fulham, yeah, because they can't even rely on staunch defence to get a point. And Mitrovic has been. Uh, shy of goals yeah. recently. He just seems he either scores or does absolutely nothing, and there's no yeah, sort which of is, middle. Which ground. is the same with with a lot of strikers. But the problem with Mitrovic is he's not a striker with flair. Yeah. or with um, there's no. He's not. He's not fast. He's not particularly fast. He's not necessarily the best dribbler of the ball. Whereas a lot of strikers in the Premier League have some of those qualities. Mm-hmm. Whereas Mitrovic is, you know, if you were going by foot manager, he's. A, Target man, really. Target he's he's man, muscly yeah. and he's he's physical and things like that. But yeah, it's 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 worrying signs for Fulham. Um, Sherla's not, you know, I think Sherla should be playing better. I remember when they signed Seri, and that was a bit of a shock because everyone, mm-hmm. I think he'd been linked with, I want to say Arsenal, uh, and possibly even United. So when they got him, I was very excited for Fulham because I I mean I put Fulham in my. Uh, uh, pre-season prediction is I want to say like 12th or something because like I said they're a dark horse they've got on paper a great team but obviously did they sign the most players in the Premier League in the window I feel like yeah, I feel I like they signed like a whole new squad yeah. and you know there's on paper again that looks good but there's so many problems about chemistry and cohesion and things like that mm-hmm. and I think I think that's what's costing them as well as what you said yeah. with individual errors in game that Ranieri perhaps can't do anything about. Yeah. West Ham have found a winning formula. They've won four in a row, which sort of uh, counterbalances when they lost four in a row at the start of the season. Pellegrini's gone back to a 4-4-2, which actually is his... I remember when he was managing Malaga 
when they had Isco and they were in the Champions League yeah. and they had this 4-4-2 where his two wide players had a free role which is what Snodgrass and Felipe Anderson are having in this you've got Javier Hernandez up front um, it's Snodgrass left footed yes and he's playing on the right yes so they're both so him and Anderson are acting as like inside yeah. forwards and they're allowed to cut in and yeah. have a go from distance yeah. do whatever they want they've got Hernandez up top who is playing with Antonio which is like the it's a so perfect, perfect blend. big man, little man. But yeah. you've got Andy Carroll. You've got, and if you think who's injured, they've got Arnautovic who's out injured. They've got Yarmolenko who's out injured, and they've also got. Is there's he someone defender? else. No, another forward player who's out injured. Who they've got to bring back in? So it's. Um, I can't remember who it is. Oh well. Oh, I've forgotten his name. Yeah, yeah. I, know, I know who you mean. I can picture the. Person yeah, I can picture him, but uh, yeah, it's on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, next we're gonna go. Uh, to Wolves and Bournemouth this finished 2-0 to Wolves this is the the first time they've won three in a row in the top flight since 1980 wow I was nowhere near being born I know 15 years before I was born 17 crazy god we're young Uh, Raul Jimenez scored the first and then Cavaliero wrapped it up in stoppage time Uh, this was billed as the team outside the top six who had conceded the fewest goals Wolves versus the team outside the top six that had scored the most goals Bournemouth uh, Bournemouth absolutely gifted Wolves the opening goal Charlie Daniels basically said here's the ball oh I remember and yeah then, I remember watching they, that actually and yeah. they went and scored um, contentious little decision uh, uh, Cook was uh, it the booking? Yeah, so he was already on a yellow card and then there was a coming together of him and Jota when Jota was through on goal. For me, uh, Cook's just used his used his upper body strength there and Jota's sort of run into him and just fallen over. Hmm. Uh, for me, that was the right decision. Yeah. Uh, Junior Stanislas hits the bar with a free kick late on. That was sort of the closest that Bournemouth ever got. Um Having said that, they dominated possession, but they've now lost six of their last seven games. They're just lacking a bit of a killer in- instinct. Bournemouth, yeah. Um, after a very promising start to the season, it's, it's, it's bizarre that any, anything below the top six, anything below the top six is is very bizarre. So, in my in my head, Bournemouth are having a killer season, and Leicester are having an awful one. But I feel like there's only two points in it between the two, and I feel like. It's like that thing I said between um, the Tottenham, Man City, Liverpool scenario. Mm-hmm. Just just a couple of results will change yeah. the table completely. It's odd, isn't it? Because they had such a good start to the season, everyone's going, oh, they're doing awfully now. Yeah, but and, and in, that, in that run of losing games, you've got to remember, they were really unlucky against United. Yeah. They were really unlucky. They've got played that, well against Arsenal as well. Yeah, they played really well against Arsenal. Last minute, uh, was it Torreira? No, I think it's something else. No, I think yeah, um, no, that was against Huddersfield. Oh, I was against Huddersfield, sorry, but uh, but no, but yeah, it was a, it was a, it was another three two or a two one or something like that. Oh, it might have been. Th- oh, I know what I know. Yeah, I know. I think yeah. it was three two. It was when uh, Lamina, no Lerma scored that outrageous. Oh goal. goal! Yes, I still can't believe he didn't get a goal of the month nomination. <laughs> um, interesting fact for you. Go on, it's gone. Always looking for the fat people. Where's it he, gone? He can't. He doesn't know what it is. I know. I know what's going on here. What um, was it? It was something like, this was, yeah. Here we go. Jimenez's opener for Wolves. 
was their first goal during the first half of a Premier League game at Molyneux since Ruben Neves scored against Everton on the opening day. Wow, that is a great start. You'd, you'd be turning up at half-time, wouldn't you? That is a great start. Not missing much. You'd definitely be leaving early to get your pie and yeah. your pint in. And if Wolves just need to just obviously then up the tempo in the first half and just because they've got the team, they've got they've got players like uh, you know they've got players like Moutinho that can create, and you've got Traore who can run at the defence and um, uh, Yotta and things like that. They just need to up the tempo in the first half and they're seventh at the moment, which for a newly promoted club. Yeah, I keep hearing this thing about how they're the best newly promoted team and they just aren't. They are nowhere near. Okay. They're nowhere near, but they are, I'm not saying they're not a good team because they are. They're a very good team uh, and they've, particularly they've bought really well. Like yes. the players they've gone out and bought and also the players that they've kept, like to keep Neves. I think he signed mm-hmm. a new contract as yeah. well. Really well done to Wolves. Um, top ten should be their aim. Anything uh, they should dare to dream. Like the, I'm looking at the table right they're now. One point they're one Man point. United. United got game in hand, but say United lose that, which is looking very likely at the minute. I'm just saying, Wolves could be the team that takes them. It's it's a it's a very bizarre season at the minute. Anything below the top six. We're all very close. What's what's the difference between seventh and say forty and say no thirteenth? Well, there? sixth and thirteenth is five points. Five points. Literally, two results will change that table mm-hmm. completely. Yeah, and they've all got similar goal difference. The be- best goal difference, United and Everton have a goal difference of two, and then the worst is Brighton and Bournemouth with minus three. So there's not a lot of goal difference in it. There's not. There's not at all, and that's it's. It's very, it's very bizarre, but Wolves uh, need to keep this momentum going mm-hmm. and need to uh, capitalise on perhaps teams that are better than them. Maybe, I don't know, just off the top of my head, maybe Everton and Leicester, who should be doing better. Uh, they need to take advantage of that because they could be the team. They could be the seventh best team in the league this season. I've got an absolutely banging stat for you here. Go on. Raul Jimenez has scored five goals and... Uh, had four assists this season. Forty-seven point four percent of uh, he's had a hand in so the that, that very... percentage of their goals. That is third in the Premier League. Yeah. Behind which two players? Oh, okay. We've spoken about one of them. I want to say Raheem Sterling. Incorrect. Oh no. Okay. Is are they are they are they top six teams? No. No. no of course they wouldn't be. Um, we've spoken about the person at the top we've spoken about you spoke about him quite a lot quite recently in this recording oh no no I don't know no it's in be- first place is Mitrovic yeah seven goals two assists 56.3% yeah and in second is Callum Wilson eight goals five assists 52% yeah I wouldn't have got Callum Wilson so there you go. So that wraps up um, Saturday's game. We're going to move straight on to Sunday. Uh, the first game we're going to talk about is Southampton-Arsenal. Um, Arsenal's winning, unbeaten, not winning, unbeaten run ends at 22 games. Little stat for you here. Arsenal have won more games in the last 22, now 23, than uh, Southampton have in the last 22 months. Wow. Which is a bit depressing. Um, Southampton, however, 
seems to be on a little upward curve here with their new manager. He just seems to have a lot more of a clue than Mark Hughes ever did. I, I don't management. even get me started on Mark Hughes. Um, do you think Arsenal suffered from having a makeshift defence? It started with a back three of Lichsteiner, who's a full-back, Koscielny, who's playing his first game for months, and yeah. Shaka, yeah, who's a midfielder. Koscielny coming back was always, was always uh, in my eyes, was always going to be a factor. Um, because it's, you know, it's, it's a change in the system, it's a change in the lineup. Um, I don't think the defensive. No, I don't. I don't want to blame the defense. I think Southampton were just the better team and and ultimately deserved the win. Um, Ings's opener, um, brilliant cross from great header Target. Well, yeah, great header. Um, potentially, Matty Target was offside, but for me, that is too close to call. That is one of those ones that you literally. I didn't, VAR. I didn't know it was contentious. It's, yeah, it's. I reckon he's probably about an inch offside. But how can you tell that in real time? So I like that the benefit of the doubt is being given. Yeah, it's 50 attacking team case, there. Yeah. Uh, Mikitarian equalises with a header before Ings restores the lead. And he's now scored header. more goals for Arsenal than he ever did for United now, Mikitarian. Yeah. So he's obviously found a new home. Yeah. Uh, Arsenal then equalised again after the break. Oriol Romeo was caught on the ball outside the box I just think some. I know that Hassan Hootel will want his team to play out from the back that's his philosophy but sometimes you've just got to clear it yeah sometimes you've just got to clear it uh, and then Vestergaard who was caught out for the Cardiff winner last week has inadvertently deflected the ball v- into his own net not an own goal no. but he's completely wrong footed Alex McCarthy uh, Shane Long has then correctly been flagged offside for disallowed goal before uh, Charlie Austin comes off the bench to nail the winner. So it was a very entertaining game. It was, yeah. Uh, do you think... Have you seen the winning goal? Oh, I haven't seen the winning goal. So Shane Long has put a cross in, and Leno has come for the ball, not got there, he's dived oh, to tip it away, he's I missed it, and Austin's headed it in. Now, I for had me, seen Leno... I'd heard, sorry, Leno had made a mistake. Now, for me, it's not a mistake. For me, it's one of those ball... It's a quality cross... Because Leno, Leno's thought process is, I can get here to deal with but it. It's but it's the perfect it's amount the of perfect cross. amount to just... <laughs> yeah. Because if he flicks it, Austin's not heading it in. Yeah. So, you know, for me, that's, that's, not, an, that's not a mistake. That's an unfortunate error. I'm but the see, Leno is one of those keepers... I, I'm, I'd read uh, some uh, tweets from uh, Bayer Leverkusen fans... I think that's where he came from. Yes. Um, who, quite a fair few of them, were very happy to see him. They were laughing. Announced, announced him as being very error-prone. Um, He's a brilliant shot-stopper, but his other decision-making, maybe... It's, yeah, his decision-making, particularly there, was obviously uh, debatable. But if you say that the cross was so good... Inch perfect. Couldn't do anything about Inch it... Inch perfect. Then, then I'll have to take your word for Inch it. Inch perfect. Huge win for Southampton. Uh, the next game we're going to move on to is Brighton 1, Chelsea 2. Brighton have beaten Chelsea once ever, and that was 85 years ago. Uh, Chelsea... Um, Should have won this more comfortably. Yes. Should have. Brighton didn't really come out and play. No, f- first half, it should have been three or four, really, um, with the chances they had. Chelsea... Um, I'm, I'm a little... <sighs> 
I don't understand that we're going to move specifically onto a player now straight away. Because Eden Hazard. It's Eden Hazard because I don't, I don't get the hate around him. I, there's this thing with with Liverpool fans where they have this constant need to compare him with Mo Salah, particularly because mm-hmm. I think people uh, because pundits and media are comparing Mo Salah's season last season to this season. He's not having the best, um, and Liverpool fans are going, "Well, what about Eden Hazard?" And you've said he's having the best season. Eden Hazard is the top assists. In the league, he's got as many goals and assists now than he did in all of last season. Yeah, he's got sixteen in six. And a lot of the, these appearances at the beginning of the season were from the bench. Yeah, remember? So he's not even had a full ninety minutes. To Here's create. a question for you: Do you think he's permanently on audition for a bigger move? Yeah, one hundred percent. Can you imagine Real Madrid with yeah. Sterling and Hazard out wide? I can imagine Real Madrid with one of them. I think both of them would be would be uh, weird. Oh, I don't know. Depends if Gareth Bale fancies a change in scenery, but I, I, Hazard is obviously a lot more realistic. Maybe that's just because of the English factor. Mm-hmm. The, the whole in, uh, it's very unlikely seeing. I think we need to we need to embrace English abroad. players going abroad. Yes, Sterling well. Sterling could one hundred percent do a, a good job in that. Jaden Sancho is absolutely terrible. Oh, Jaden Sancho is is an unreal. I've said somewhere is is value has rocketed from yeah, three million to, to like eighty five. Yeah, something Bizarre. like that. But um, Hazard. Yeah, I, I definitely 100% agree that he's, he's, yeah, putting on a show, you know, maybe his agent is saying, listen, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm currently in contact with a Real Madrid representative, so, you know, make sure you do well this week. Yeah, well, you know, January's coming, I don't think he'll go in January, um, but... It's, it's, yeah, I've, uh, he said, I've, I've found his quotes a bit bizarre, because he keeps changing his mind. I keep hearing that he says he's not going to leave in January... But he, but he wants to leave. He doesn't want to play in that false nine role that he's being employed in, does he? Uh, but yeah. he's doing a good job. I mean, he scored. And he's, did he set up the other goal? No? Yeah, goal yeah. and assist. Uh, I'm going to look at another Chelsea player who was a bit of an eventful day for him. It's Marcos Alonso, his 100th Chelsea appearance. Yeah. Bolton legend. <laughs> I think we bought him from Real Madrid, so he's three big clubs in his career. <laughs> um Bolton, of course, being the biggest of those. Yes, obviously. Um, he nearly scored a screamer. Yeah, he did. Did he hit the bar? Hit post? the post. And then I think he should have been sent off. He wasn't booked for a deliberate shirt pull yeah. in the first half. And then Solly March, who had earlier pulled one back, yeah. I think was going to be clean through on goal. And Alonso has just pulled him to the floor. Have you seen it? Yes, I'm just trying to... Remember it more clearly. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, it should have been. Yeah, I agree that the the for me it's a straight red card, easy because. But is it straight? It's not, not going to get the new changing rules. Is it a straight red anymore? I just think it was. Joe Rowles got sent off for not even attempting to play the ball earlier in the season, and Alonso has made no attempt to play. Admittedly, he's not just kicked someone. Oh yeah. Um, for me, it's a straight red card. Um, no, I do. I, you know, yeah, I agree with Solly that. Solly March. Yeah. I was listening. Glenn Murray was on uh, the Football Daily podcast earlier this week, saying that Solly March has been doing things in training that he's never seen other people do. So, given the right platform, has the potential to be an unreal footballer. Now, I don't think he's going to be an unreal footballer playing for Brighton, but he's got the potential to give himself a platform to move on to a bigger club, maybe in the future. Potentially, I, I, I disagree. I do think you, no matter where you are, you can be an unreal player. I think 
that 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 st- status comes from then you know mm-hmm. the top six club coming in for him. Like I'm not you know Leicester are not a big well yeah no. Rio Morris was an unbelievable player for us, and he's gone off to Man City, and he's yeah kept doing it. I think Solly March um, can definitely do it at Brighton. Um, yeah, he can definitely become an unreal player at Brighton. I might have been a bit harsh with my. Well, no, no, I totally understand what you're saying. It's it's the only reason the label unreal player will come from when a top six club want him. Yeah. I get what you mean. I'd yeah. agree with that. Uh, only Glenn Murray has had a hand in more Premier League goals for Brighton than Solly March. Glenn Murray eight, Solly March six. Um, Willian has played ninety-seven matches in the last seventeen months, which oh. averages out as one every five days. He must be knackered. And he's now been directly involved in fifty goals in the Premier League, becoming only the third Brazilian player in the history of the competition to reach that milestone. After Coutinho and Firmino, I think I think I, I don't like William as a player. I think there are much better options. I remember in the, the, Janu- the January transfer window, the summer transfer window, when Barcelona bid like three times for him, mm-hmm. upwards to of fifty million or something like that. And I was every time it would say Chelsea have rejected this. I'm like, what? What are you on about? Riyad Mahrez went for fifty million or something. Are you mm-hmm. all right there, Chelsea? It's very bizarre. They, um, I just think there are better options than him, but. Um, that is a very good start of the 97 games in such a short amount of time. I did, it might not, I did like an av- an average day length of 17 Just, months and then, well, yeah, the average amount of days in 17 months and then divided it by... 97, it works out to just o- a game just over obviously got an engine. Days. It's just, I think that, yeah. Didn't he once hit a, a, a free kick into a one-man wall? I feel like that's in, like, Chelsea Maybe. folklore. Seems like something he would do. Uh, and then the final game of the weekend, uh, the big talking point, because uh, it's going to bring us back nicely to where we started, was yes. Liverpool 3, Man United 1. Um, United were unbeaten in eight games versus Liverpool going Mar- into this. Mourinho loves, well, loved playing against Liverpool. He was very good at Yes, I uh, think tackling Liverpool. I think this game demonstrated perfectly how much depth Liverpool have in their squad now. They made four changes to their starting lineup and had no noticeable drop off in quality. Nathaniel yeah. Klein made his first uh, appearance of the season and also his hundredth Liverpool appearance. Mm. Um, was Lukaku offside when? Ander Herrera Ander Herrera's curled a f- uh, I think it was it was either Herrera or Lingard God. has cl- uh, curled a free kick in Lukaku's tried to have a hack at the ball missed the ball by about half a metre and the ball's gone into the bottom corner but the linesman's given offside because he from an offside position has tried to make contact with the ball on its way into the goal for me that's oh, the correct did, decision did, yeah yeah. for me that's the correct decision yeah Sadio Mane then opens the scoring with a great pass from what Fabinho what a great great little Dink into the box. Great little dink. Fabinho's having a really growing influence on the Liverpool midfield when he plays. Yeah. It took him a while to get into the team, but he's really found his feet. Yeah. Uh, I was reading an article on him saying that Klopp didn't want to put him into the team initially because he did. Fabinho wasn't playing like the sort of the short passes. He was trying to go long all the time. Mm. Obviously, that's not the Klopp way. I think that goal demonstrated just why Ashley Young shouldn't be playing fullback because he's just let his man go. Yeah, definitely. Um, Allison then makes a huge error, massive error, which is which is his second mistake of the season, which is the too, same, too many, which is the same as Mignolet and Carius made 
combined last season. Didn't carry us make make all of them in one game. Yeah, maybe. I totally. I think that's just a stat for you know to spark a bit of of an argument. I rate Allison, and I think yeah. he is the this season the best keeper in the Premier League on form this season. Okay, wouldn't say overall. I still think that David de Gea has that crown, and I think I'd prefer Aritha Balaga because he's not made a mistake yet. But would he have made I'd, the saves that Allison has made? That's what I mean. I don't. I don't think so. I think Allison is. I just think he's having. Yeah, it was a. I'm not sure what he's doing. Is I think he's tried to clutch it into he his chest and it's it and, was it yeah. was it raining or summer did the ball it, it was, spin out of his hand Lukaku's hit it hard he's caught it he's hit the deck and it's spilled out Lingard has a habit of scoring goals in big games he just, love him or hate him I'm a fan of Jesse Lingard no no I, I, I like Jesse Lingard too I think he's a good um, I know Danny doesn't like Jesse Lingard I don't know I, I, no I've got no qualms with Jesse mm-hmm. Lingard he, yeah I remember last season he scored against Chelsea uh yeah, he does. He does like a big game. Um, he's been a bit goal shy. Yeah, recently. Well, he's not expected to score loads of goals, mm-hmm. but for hit, you know, he normally chips in with a, an assist here and there sometimes. So that's probably just uh, playing in a Mourinho system, though. Yeah, starves creativity. But Shaki- he won't have that problem anymore. <laughs> Indeed, uh, Shakiri then comes off the bench and makes an instant impact. Scored one hundred and forty-four seconds after coming on. Yeah, uh, his shot took a deflection, which aided it going well, in. Both took a massive deflection. Both took but, huge deflection. And, and any stupid United fans will will say, "Oh, we would have drawn that game without those two Yeah, mm, that's, yeah. that's. that's I mean, is having a real impact at Liverpool this season. He's not complaining about being on the bench a lot of the time. Twelve million pounds that boy cost. Bargain. Absolute bargain. And the reason why, and and this is the thing with with the. The whole it's sort of related to the Solly March Brighton thing. The reason on the Rondon Newcastle thing, the reason why I think teams didn't buy him was because Stoke got relegated, mm-hmm. which is bizarre. Like Hull got relegated, and Robertson went to Liverpool, Maguire went to Leicester, and both players are having yeah are, are adored by their fans. Brilliant examples. Um, Liverpool had thirty six shots compared to United six. That that's that's the thing. I, you. Everyone knew that this was going to happen. Mourinho couldn't care if there was only one person watching the game or 100 million people watching the game. He he wanted to bore, bore. those Liverpool yeah. fans. And I think I think that's where he's been left behind because football has moved on. Yeah. Like players are now technically good enough to be able to beat a defence that has all 10 men behind the ball. Co- like Guardiola's coaching, he... Guardiola Klopp they play styles of football they play like an upgrade on it. like Tika Taka has been updated to be fast yeah. this, is, this, this is a bizarre I don't know where I'm going with this point so brace yourselves and I, but I remember I just I remember I recently watched Damned United you ever watched it about, no. about Brian Clough and he, and he says that football is a beautiful game it should be played beautifully no matter who you're against, mm-hmm. and I know there are examples. You know, teams are teams are allowed to play defensively, um, but if you're a team with the history and the prestige of Manchester United, and you go to Liverpool, and you only have six shots, and you let Liverpool have thirty six shots, G- G- Mourinho has done this to himself. Mourinho has the 
the players I don't get this thing about the players aren't good enough you've spent 50 million pound on Fred I know Eric Bailly isn't a creative player but you spend 30 million on him he should be able to pass a ball and be able yeah. to distribute um, Lukaku is not the player that he once was um, they have the players to and also they have the, the ability to harness the intangible force that is luck and they just... I feel like they've run out of it. Um, they were so poor, and everyone could see that that was the game plan, to bore the opposition, to bore the fans, to try and get them quiet, and then they might nick a draw or a winner. Um, and it ran out, and I think that this game was a massive uh, reflection on how Liverpool and Man United have now gone in there. You know, three years ago, Liverpool were being bullied relentlessly for... Yeah. And, and Jürgen Klopp has suffered... I want to say three final defeats: yeah, Champions League final, Europa League final, and League Cup final. League Cup final, yeah. And and now, I mean, one of them was only was last summer. Now, no one's even mentioning them anymore because mm-hmm. Liverpool are are top of the league now. So beautifully put, I think that this game it was a was a, just an example of what's happened in the last and three or four years. It's not a long time in football. But it shows the in that short time how much it's changed. Yeah, and how different and how, um, yeah, just how bizarre it is. Beautifully put. It's brought us back nicely uh, to where we started. Danny uh, earlier on asked us who we thought potentially going to take over, and I've got uh, asked my mate Mike, who is a lifelong United fan, okay. to to write a few things. He said, uh, "Long time coming for Jose." Ever since losing at Brighton, things have gone downhill. Losing matches, playing negatively, and obviously he's lost the dressing room. Seems that nobody is in charge, and United are in need of a change of direction and a director yep. who knows what they're doing. Uh, in terms of where we go next, who knows? Zidane, for me, is an obvious choice, but we need someone experienced to make a quick impact like Emery has at Arsenal. Uh, and then he's list- listed three options who he think could take over, and they are Laurent Blanc... Uh, Didier Deschamps and Zinedine Zidane, eh, Zinedine Zidane. Something that sticks out for me there that's noticeable is all three of the candidates he's nominated are French. Maybe there's a style of football. Style of football. And also, Pogba and Martial, for me, are two players that they could build a team round. And that all those three would get the best out of those two. Pogba is literally the vocal point. He is the middle of Manchester United. Mm-hmm. So, someone needs to get the best out of him because they've spent eighty nine million quid, and he's nowhere. He's not shown that that type of quality on a consistent basis uh, since his arrival. I'm going to be really boring and say Zidane, but I want to say I feel like there's someone else that could that could do a job. Someone exciting like the oh, I forgot his name, but the Hoffenheim manager, the the. I want to say the thirty-year-old. Uh, is that the guy that's called like Le Havre or something? No, he's oh, he's 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 uh, he's like thirty years old or something. But he's, I mean, he's taken Hoffenheim from uh, mid to low table mediocrity to Champions League football. Um, they need. I just I don't know. Maybe I've got this harsh Julian stigma that's him that's him maybe I've just got this harsh stigma on older managers yeah. but I feel like if they gave this guy who I think I think he's announced that he's leaving Hoffenheim at the end of the season um, I don't know if it's been if he's come out and said 
where he's going to. Um, but I feel like giving this guy a chance, fresh ideas, and he could bring um, some quality over. He could bring. Do you know? Do you know what they could do with? They could do with a player like um, Andre Kramaric, who's a really good creative player, who's very versatile, striker, centre attacking mid, can play on the wing as well, which I feel mm-hmm. like they've been lacking. Um, and he, he he would bring such a fresh new look to Manchester United. I feel like Zidane is probably the main because he's not got a job. Um, three Champions League titles in a row is a, you know but pretty good unproven really when you think about it well I mean in I don't know one league title and three Champions League titles he's never not won the Champions League he's never yeah. not won it which is a pretty good um, Pochettino is that an option or do you not think so in the, in the I mean, summer well, okay, not now. here's a question which is more attractive at the minute Tottenham or Manchester United Tottenham then the only but the reason, transfer budget. The, that's United. the mean. Then the only reason he'd go is the money they'd give him and the money they'd give him. So it's a it's uh, no. I think I think I think Pochettino could do a really really good job in Madrid. I think he's been linked with them when mm-hmm. they, when they sacked. Um, oh, what's his name? Who did they just uh, Lopetegui. Yeah, um, and they've given it now to the assistant who... Solari. He's still having a bit of a... Yeah, well, he's only ever coached youth teams. Yeah. Um, cool, we're going to leave leave that subject there. There'll be loads more coming out in the next week, so I'm sure we will uh, cover more on that. Yeah. Uh, just going to give a shout-out to Mikey for writing in, if you want to go follow him, at Mike Merton on Twitter, and then Merton Mike on Instagram. He does some cool things, like runs his own life-saving company. So if you've got an interest in doing that, jumping in the water and saving lives, then uh, check out his his stuff. Uh, Danny has got one more point uh, that he'd like to raise all the way from Madrid, which is apt because it's about something that took place in Spain over the weekend and comments that I made earlier on in the uh, season. The final thing from me um, is just about Lionel Messi. He scored three and assisted two as Barcelona beat Levante 5-0 on uh, on Saturday, I think it was, or Sunday. Um, I just want to know, Josh, whether you think he's still on his downward curve? I'm just going to put this one to bed and say that I was wrong. Are you happy now? <laughs> I was wrong. He's the first player this season to record double goals, double digits for goals and assists. I'm just going to tell you all to go fuck yourselves he's a, he, to it. The, but it's alright because he's only the fifth best player in the world apparently only the fifth he's best only the fifth the apparently killing Mbappe is better than Lionel yeah, Messi brutal oh. brutal right a question we asked last week to our dedicated listeners all six of you um, we didn't post about it on social media because we lead busy lives Lol joke, I've just been playing FIFA all <laughs> week. Um, so we're going to we're gonna leave it going for another week, but we're just going to have a little discussion about it now, and that's our favourite goal celebrations. Uh, do you have anything to throw into the mixing pot for our listeners just to think about when they're choosing their own? I've got, I've got three. Oh, three. So I've got... Well, well, one of them is actually a collection. Basically, Vardy has this thing. He's, I think for four years in a row now, he's scored at the same end at West Brom. Um, and he's always gone to the same corner and just put his arms up in the air like that and just asked the crowd like what what are you gonna do and like it's that's that's like legendary now um Emmanuel Adebayor 
against, incredible against running the length of the pitch to knee slide in front of the Arsenal fans I love a good arms out I love a good yeah. sort of it's like a what you know what are you going to do about it but I think my favourite celebration of all time see I normally love a good shush but it's not going it's rock the baby I, li- I like about the baby but Eric Cantona the chip Oh, and he, he just stand. and he just stood. He just looked around at his at his at his kingdom, and he just he just again he put his arms up in the air in a sort of yeah. That's what I'm about. Yeah, fairs. One that uh, sticks out for me. Uh, he didn't tend to do it later on in his career, but when he was younger and slightly more sprightly, Robbie Keane used to do a couple of uh, forward forward throw. Yes, and then the shoot yes. the pistols. That was a particular highlight. Uh, Newcastle had a player called Lamana Tresaluwa that I think was one of the first people to do the like multiple backflips yeah. in a row. And I can't remember if it was him or someone else who just absolutely ruined their leg. Oh, I tell you what, I've just thought of a good jumping one as well. into some advertising boards and like broke their leg horrendously I've just thought of two new celebrations which would be amazing if their teams had A won the league and B won the game Eric Dyer's shushing of the Arsenal fans was beautiful Mm -hmm. if they'd have won that game that I would have made that my screensaver that is Eric Dyer who is yeah and when Lionel Messi scored in the last minute against Madrid and he took his top off and he showed the Madrid fans his name on the back that was that was particularly moving for me, that was uh, that was quite iconic. Lovely. Well, get involved. Uh, we'll post on the social medias with that, so we can hear what your thoughts are, and then I'm sure Danny and I will be discussing them uh, whenever we get together next. Uh, just one tiny little thing to wrap up. My tiny tip came in this week. Yes, well done. All at two to one. So I'm going to go. Straight in and say that United are going to beat Cardiff by more than 2.5 goals. Is it at United? No, it's away. Ooh. We're going to get a reaction. Carrick, who is in charge for the weekend's game, uh, is going to go handbrake off. And I reckon. Well, he's got to win it. He's got to. Interesting that he's in charge until they find someone else. Give it gigs at the end of the season. <laughs> Give it gigs. Gigs there. I mean, I, I, yeah, to, to not come back along, but they should have just. I, Mourinho was going to probably finish, and United are probably going to finish about sixth or fifth. I feel like no, whoever they bring in isn't really going to expand on that. Top four is very unrealistic. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if they'd have told Mourinho, like with Man City, look, we're gonna, we're gonna get rid of you, but you've, you know, till we find someone else, so you've got this season. I feel like maybe you know that would have been the better solution, but hey, yeah. Anyway, thank you to Ollie for been an absolute uh, co-hosting. Man. You've uh, made a little upgrade there from just being a little uh, feature on the side. Yeah, I'm a... sure we'll have you back. Uh, give us a follow, uh, Jaff Pod, just another football podcast. Find us online, podcasts, SoundCloud, the iTunes. Give us a little review. Um, spread the love uh, as we approach Christmas. There's going to be loads of stuff. It's going to be absolutely mental to try and get. Uh, all the games covered but we'll do our best Uh, say thanks to Ollie once again thanks to Danny for chipping in all the way from Madrid hope you're enjoying it man yeah I hope it's a bit warmer and nicer than it is here (laughs) thanks to Mikey for writing in as well have a lovely week bye